What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. We have a special guest joining us from Israel. His name is Arie Green. I was close. Yeah. He is the yeah. Chief Strategy Officer at Gigawatt Global and also the author of My Israeli Trail, Finding Peace in the Promised Land. Thank you, Arie, for joining us today. <laughs> All that, that rhymed. <laughs> That's right. It did. You, Thank you, Deanna. Thank you for being here. Can you thank, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background? Um, sure. Uh, so I, I was born in Washington D.C. Uh, in America. I'm an American citizen, but I moved to Israel over 35 years ago. I'm also a Jew, and uh, ended up finding my way to Israel and living here for most of my adult life. The last 35 years, as I said, and I spent some time in government in the prime minister's office. I spend a lot of time in business, mostly high tech. Uh, I work now with a renewable energy platform, bringing solar and other renewable energy projects to Africa, to some of the world's poorest people. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I uh, wrote a book called My Israel Trail uh, about the hike that I did on the thousand mile Israel National Trail, which uh, as you know, I set out on that trek just after my divorce was finalized. And so the book is as much about uh, getting over healing, getting over my divorce, which uh, was not something I had looked for, as well as, uh, as well as a description of the actual hike itself. Wow, that, you've had a, lot, a very interesting life. So this is, so say hi, Athena. She's being a little wiggle worm <laughs> and, and playing with the other one. So um, I love that though. That's I love okay. that you, went on the hike and found some healing. So can you tell us about that process? Because I feel like more and more people are connecting with healing from things in their, in, in their life. Yeah, I think it's very true. I've often said, um, I love, by the way, Dan, I love having the dogs around. It really makes this into much more of an informal kind of conversation sitting in your living room uh, than, than a lot of these kind of interview situations normally, uh, normally is set up for. Um, yeah, I definitely have noticed both in the responses to my book and the talks that I've given, um, everybody has personal challenges to face. Uh, we're all looking for some sort of personal growth, whether we're the kind of person that picks up books to read about personal growth or just look for different, you know, learning experiences in our own lives. Um, a lot of people have, ha have found the messages that I share in my book um, resonating with them, whether they're facing divorce themselves or death, uh, God forbid, or, or losing a job, or, or the other kinds of challenges that we all face. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, I've had my own fair share throughout my lifetime, and um, you know, my husband passed away five years ago, and so it's been hmm. it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey the last five years. But I've definitely, you know, I've definitely come to a lot of peace. I'm very happy in my life. So it's. Um, so I, I can understand that that journey of, of healing and trying to find um, trying to just to find peace around that in the, in the pain because I think a lot of people can get caught up in that pain and carry it for so long that it just becomes so heavy that um, y you know it's it's lighten your load a little bit like let's yeah. let's be better human beings let's be better human beings so to write a book is a is a pretty daunting task I feel like that's a lot of work um <laughs> true what made you decide what made you decide to say hey I'm going to take this on and write a book 
Well, the truth is that I didn't set out to write a book. Um, I basically, uh, I basically set out on this trip to find the kind of healing that we've been that we've been talking about. Um, and uh, in the end, towards the middle of the journey itself, the trek itself, I actually was staying for the weekend over Shabbat, the Sabbath, with uh, with friends, and they asked me to kind of share some insights um, from the from the trip itself with some friends of theirs sitting around on a Sabbath afternoon, a Shabbat afternoon, um, and uh, having kind of had this conversation over an hour where I talked about some of the things that I'd been learning, that I'd written up in my journal, uh, literally lessons from the physical trail, which I ended up being able to apply to my situation, finding myself uh, alone and sad and angry and frustrated and resentful and, and well, you know, the, the, the drill. Um, that's kind of when I started thinking, hmm, maybe there's something to, to, to write here, but it wasn't my original intention. Yeah. How long did it take you to write your book? Well, the book took like three years, and the book took longer to to write by far than the actual hike. The hike was two months, two months long. I did hike oh alone. Gosh, it was, yeah, it was a it was a solo trek where I was all on my own, uh, carrying a fifty pound pack, and I was fifty one at the time. It's kind of it's kind of thing to hear in Israel. The twenty one year old crowd usually does not the fifty one year old crowd, and it was uh, yeah. it was a real it was a real challenge physically, spiritually, emotionally psychologically and that's kind of what what also led to the book itself was marrying the the challenges that i faced and and the lessons i learned to help me overcome them with uh, the situation i obviously was in in my outside life not on the trail and that was yeah. kind of part of part of the end of the book how how did you prepare for that that hike or the trek whatever you want to call well, it I grew up in California doing a lot of hiking as a, as a kid, as a teenager, as a camp counselor, as a college student. Um, and uh, I've done a lot of hiking here in Israel too. We have kind of a national tradition where every school child goes at least once a year, if not more often, on an overnight hike around the country with kind of a, this, this idealistic uh, concept of getting to know the country. So I have three children. I accompanied them, each of them, over 12 years of schooling uh, to at least one trip every year. So that was three or six trips every year. My family did a lot of hiking. So hiking was something I was both, I loved and, and was familiar with. Doing a trek like this though, both alone uh, and nonstop and with a 50 pound pack on my back, that I wasn't so prepared for. So I read a decent bit. I, I studied the unofficial guide to the Israel Trail, maps and what have you. I took a few test trips with rocks in a backpack to make sure I could <laughs> I could walk a good 12 to 15 miles a day with this kind of a backpack on. Um, but the truth is, most of the preparation that I did started on the first day of the trek, which is why the third or fourth week of the trek, I finally got into stride, had learned enough of the lessons to keep myself on the trail and not getting my back or what have you. Um, but I didn't do yeah. that much preparation beforehand. So how... That is, that is two months. That's a long time. So you're just out there by yourself. Just keep going. Yeah. Well, the, the trail itself, as I said, kind of the 21 year old crowd after serving uh, in the Israeli defense forces kind of are the usual cohort, but there are also many others who, who hike it sometimes, or, or I guess most often not as a through trail, but rather doing a day here or there, uh, older groups, uh, adult groups, children's groups, what have you. So, 
Uh, most days I would run into somebody on the trail. I, in writing the book, when I was reviewing my journal, I, I discovered, and I wouldn't have guessed this if I hadn't written it down, but I counted up, there were a total of 12 days out of the 42 days I actually hiked. I didn't hike on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, uh, but I hiked six days okay. a week. And there were 12 days in the course of those 42 days where I did not see a single soul from morning to night, where I really was alone. And most wow. of the other days, uh, the, yeah, it really was wild. There were, um, most of the days I was either passed by uh, kind of a younger cohort moving faster than me, or I would meet people coming the other way. Um, and it's not all in the desert, because a lot of it on the trail is in the hills of Jerusalem, or the, the mountains and the forests of the north of the country, and the Galilee, along the coast. So, um, but, but yeah, 12 days without seeing a single soul from morning to night, that was definitely one of the peak elements of the, of the experience. Yeah, I would say. So now do you, how do you, what do you do with food? You well, so you carry, ca yeah, you carry your food with you, uh, like any other through trail, you know, you have to have your supplies. Um, you can resupply, uh, certainly in the north and the center of the country, you're going to, you're bound to pass a small village or a town or a gas station or something. In the south, I had to, to actually plant, to bury food and water in six different locations, two of which I actually paid somebody to, to do for me because with a kind of a Jeep, Jeep travel company, that's what they do. Because uh, I don't have an, a four by four to get, you know, off road into the mountains and and leave, you know, a few uh, liters of water for myself or what have you. But yeah, otherwise you just pack it with you. And uh, there, as I said, there are a few days where you're going for two days without any resupply, so you have to have to plan that pretty well in advance. I, I would think so. That's pretty intense. Um, I I don't know if I ever take that. I've done a lot of different things as far as like as an athlete, but that's something I don't know. I would be open to it, but I would probably be a little nervous about it, doing something like that by myself. I had some friends who were nervous about my doing it by myself. Uh, and ah. uh, we ended up we ended up creating a thing where one of my kids was kind of my, my general uh, connector, my daughter who was living at home, um, just having finished serving in the, in the Israel Defense Forces. And uh, so I would message her kind of every day or every other day, telling her where I am, where I was planning on going. So this, we had the the agreement really to help my friend Hadas, uh, a friend, old old friend, and she was very worried about me going alone. So it was more for her than for me or my kids. But uh, there was this agreement that if if Moria, my daughter, didn't hear from me for a day, that was okay because maybe there just wasn't reception wherever I was. But I had to make sure to either send her a message, turn on my phone and send a message, or find somebody on the trail who was going off the trail who could send a message so that every other day at least she would know where I was and where I was heading. And if she didn't hear from me for more than 48 hours, she was allowed, or Hadas was allowed to call out the, the search and rescue. That's good you have that lined up. So you have some questions here. I'm going to pick one of these. Um, how do you define what the result of real peace in the Middle East will look like? That's an intense question. Oh, it's a question I kind of hadn't really thought about since uh, you had asked me to, to kind of uh, throw a few interesting questions at you. But the truth is, uh, the question of how we define real peace, I think, gets to the core of, uh, of any discussion about the Arab-Israel conflict or what's going on in this part of the world. And, uh, well, to be frank, my next book, which I'm working on now, 
applies the five lessons that I learned on the trail that helped me get over my divorce and, and are helpful to anybody facing these kind of personal challenges, my new book is, is applying those five elements to the Arab-Israel conflict to find real peace. So, so your question is not completely uh, out of line. Um, the short answer is this. Yeah, go ahead. No, well, go ahead. Give the short answer, but then I'm going to follow up with a, another question because you mentioned okay. five lessons, and I, I want to hear about those. I don't usually like to kind of throw out a summary because it sounds both trite, uh, and each of these lessons are based on literally uh, weeks, if not months, and years of suffering and pain and reflection uh, and study and what have you. But I, but I, I will do so because I think it's it's okay to try and sum. If you can't summarize some some even profound ideas relatively briefly, then there's something wrong with with the way that you're generating those ideas. So the five lessons that I learned on the trail start with humility, a sense of, of perspective on kind of how what our place is in the universe. That was a lesson I learned while trudging hour after hour, day after day in the in the desert in the south, in the Negev desert in Israel. And the second lesson is acceptance. Uh, um, simply an acknowledgement of the reality that we face, whether it's being on the side of a mountain and losing the trail, or whether it's being divorced, or in your case, unfortunately, losing a spouse. This idea of acknowledging that, that we're not in control of everything, so it's related to humility, but it's an acceptance of reality, you know, that pithy aphorism of, of grant me the wisdom to accept the things I, I cannot change and, and the like. That was the second lesson. Um, the third lesson has a lot to do with appreciation for the blessings that are in our lives. Um, gratitude, really gratitude for for me in the sense of, of the privilege of living here in Israel. Uh, after 2,000 years of dispersion of the people of Israel, we've returned to our ancestral homeland and created this miracle of a modern uh, nation state called Israel. Or the gratitude I had for my friends and family who were so supportive of me in, in the course of the divorce. Um, and also in the course of the hike on the trail and gratitude on the trail itself for the guidance and the wisdom that was offered by the trail guide, the author Yaakov Sar of the trail guide, as well as support of what are called trail angels who are complete strangers who open their homes to you and, and let you come and stay or have a shower or give you a meal or what have you. Um, so gratitude was very much, a, and that was, that was very personal for me too, because even given the pain of the divorce, I was incredibly grateful for the 28 years of marriage that, that we had shared and the children we had raised and the life we, we built here in Israel. The fourth lesson is forgiveness, which to a certain extent was necessary for me in terms of my healing. Because as much as I intellectually recognized the right of my wife uh, as an adult to make whatever decision was right for her and to, to break up the marriage and, and, and basically destroy our family as we knew it, uh, I recognized that as, as, a, as an adult, she had that right, but that's not the same as, as really heartfelt, deep forgiveness of the choice that she made and the pain that she caused. And so that, that forgiveness for me was pivotal in terms of my healing, and it was based on a lot of that humility and gratitude and acceptance that, that I just described. And the last lesson, basically what I learned in the last two weeks of jail is I realized that I'm going to stop this hike. I'm going to be done soon, and I'm going to end up yeah. back home alone still divorced, um, and this, this idea of having a goal, of having a, um, an objective on, on various different levels was something that I had discovered back in college reading um, Frankel's Man's Search of Meaning. You may be familiar in terms of 
um, your own reading or, or knowledge. Um, but his, his basic thesis that you have to have a reason to live, to give your life meaning was something that for me, you know, it was kind of obvious on the trail. I had goals, you know, my, my sure. goal every day was to reach the night camp <laughs> or wherever I had buried the water. Uh, and my goal in the trek itself was to finish the, this, the, this kind of odyssey of, the, of, of hiking the Israel National Trail. Uh, but I started in that last week to set myself other goals, personal, professional. And, uh, and so that's the fifth lesson, having a sense of purpose to give meaning to your life. Those are the five lessons basically that I write about in the book and that I've learned from the physical uh, challenges of, of doing the hike, which then obviously were translatable, you can imagine, like intuitively, to as well as how I've described it, to, uh, to the position I found myself in, divorced, alone, and uh, kind of trying to figure out how to move on, move on with my life. Yeah, wow, that's, that's pretty profound. And those are some very important lessons to learn. Like that, that had to be quite the journey. Like, wow, I, I'm blown away. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank Very you. Cool. Thank you for should, saying should we so. Should other question or should we ask a different one? Because I'm ah, like, sure. No, that's, <laughs> that's it's, it's obviously up to you. But I, I can, now, now that I've mentioned the five lessons, I think it's almost simple intuitively. If you think about the Arab Israel conflict, this last century or more, of hostility from the Arab and Muslim world to the very idea that uh, the Jewish people as a people, as a nation, not as a religious group, but the people of Israel wanting to reestablish our sovereignty in, in the promised land, in, in the Holy Land, in the land of Israel. And the, the basic parameters of what, what I'm going to suggest uh, is a radical um, departure from the usual discussions about how to bring peace to the Middle East. Most people talk about maps and borders. Uh, and giving those who self-identify as Palestinian Arabs some sort of independence of their own state. And I've suggested, or I am suggesting in my new book, something radically different. And that is, we have to start, all of us, Arabs and Jews, Israelis, Palestinians, Muslims around the world, or what have you, we have to start with a sense of humility. We have to have a certain acceptance that the reality is what it is. History has brought us to the point we're at today. We have to have a great sense of gratitude and appreciation for all of the miracles that have brought us to this point. And I mean that about Arabs and Jews. Um, and the sense of forgiveness may be the most central element. Uh, the Arab world has to forgive Israel our insistence on living and for the Jews, uh, our insistence on the justice of our, our return to our ancestral homeland. And the Jews have to forgive the Arabs for the last hundred years of hostility and, and attacks and uh, and anger and rejection. And with that sense of forgiveness, the Arabs also have to forgive the Israelis for our defensive military operations, because people, just as we have to forgive the Arabs their terrorist attacks, they have to forgive us our defensive military operations, because many, many people have been injured or died or, or displaced because of this animosity over the last hundred years. And the last uh, the application, of course, is this question of having a goal. You know, if if we all recognize Israel had a goal. It was not just to create uh, a nation state for the Jewish people. Our goal and our mission as a people, even before we had the state, was to provide for the benefit and the welfare of our people and others who are under our authority. Um, our goal as the Jewish people really can be summed up in this wonderful Hebrew phrase, to repair the world, to, to, to make the world a better place. And that's one of the reasons that obviously you're familiar and so are our listeners or viewers with many of the uh, technology advances and, and other 
um, successes of, of the modern state of Israel. The point is that our, our goal has not simply been, oh, we need independence. Our goal was much, much broader than that. Um, and the independence that we sought and that we achieved, bringing the Jews back to an active role in the world stage, uh, is something that has continued since the founding of the state. The Arab and Muslim world have to have a goal that goes beyond either destroying Israel, which obviously is not a goal that uh, I or, or most right-thinking people will accept as a legitimate um, objective uh, that some of them have, but they also need a, a goal that's much more profound than just the establishment of another Arab state. Uh, that's a reasonable goal to aspire to, to try and find a way for the those who self-identify as Palestinians within the Arab nation to express their independence in some entity. But their goal should be providing for the welfare of their people. Their goal should sure. be helping them make the world a better place, whether it's technology or or agriculture or, or, or aid to other countries, what have you. And I think that's what makes this whole idea very, very different. Um, and now you can see how it's kind of based on those same five lessons, just applied through a lens um, to the Arab-Israel conflict that might, if it's to be adopted, might actually be our first real chance for real peace in a hundred years of animosity where all the other attempts have been based on partition, separation, borders, uh, you know, all these other more kind of practical, tangible issues, which have never gotten to the, to the, to the root of the conflict, which is the, the hostile rejection of, of any legitimacy that's given to, to Israel as, uh, as an independent state. So there you go. <laughs> well, there's, here's hoping, here's hoping that, uh, that, we, that, you know what, one day there'll be peace. Cause I think that we just need peace everywhere. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, um, can you please drop all your links or where anybody can find you if they want to like purchase your book? Where could they find your book and all that? Kind oh, of sure. All right. Uh, thanks, Deanna. I appreciate the opportunity. So the book's website is www.myisraeltrail.com. And there are a lot of other links there and, and, and excerpts and pictures and, and what have you. Um, the book is available on Amazon and the book depository in Barnes and Noble. Uh, again, it's My Israel Trail, Finding Peace in the Middle East, uh, Finding Peace in the Promised Land. Um, and uh, anybody who wants to reach me can also, there's an email link there on the website at myisraeltrail.com that people can obviously reach out to me personally by, uh, by email if there's, they have a specific question or they have an interest in getting the book, uh, uh, signed by me, or uh, or I'm also very happy to to do online talks. And please God, as uh, the coronavirus fades away, as it were, I'll be traveling again. So I like to give to give a lot of talks in synagogues and churches and community centers and universities and otherwise. I love it. I love it. Um, well, Arya, this has been a pleasure to have you. Is there any final words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave with the audience? Oh, sure, because we have talked about so, we haven't talked about so many different topics that I would be happy to cover. But one, one is, if you've never been to visit Israel, um, it's really a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And I would encourage anybody who, who has ever considered, or even if you haven't considered, to, to put that onto your bucket list. And if you do come to Israel, take an hour or a half a day or a whole day. You don't have to do the whole thing for two months as a trek, but to hike along the Israel Trail 
is to literally walk in the footsteps of our ancestors in the footsteps of the prophets and whether you're a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim or atheist or what have you the the poignancy of uh, of hiking um, the land of the prophets is is incomparable and that's aside from the physical beauty and the, and the physical challenges in the in the forests of the north and the in the Galilee and the deserts of the south and the Negev just come and visit and if you do be in touch with me let me know and I'll be happy to share some of my homemade wine with you sitting on our balcony watching the sunset over the Sorek Valley. Beautiful. I might have to take you up on that. Well, thank you very I'd be much delighted. and sharing your story. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.